Welcome back to the Backcountry PA Podcast. This is episode 108 with Josh Stewart. Josh Stewart is a PA boy from out in the Pittsburgh area, out in the 2B WMU. In 2021, he scored a beautiful Allegheny National Forest buck. And on this episode, you're going to hear all about that. You're going to hear how he found the area that he was able to harvest this buck at and the process leading up to that day. You're also going to hear how he scouts new areas with minimal time and what he would recommend doing. Um, All in all, it was a great conversation with Josh, and we can't wait to see what he gets down this year on top of the, the dough that he already got down out in 2B. Recommend going, following him on Instagram, Trout Stew. If you have any questions, send a message on Instagram. I'm sure he'll be happy to answer them. One more thing, guys. If you could, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, give us a rating or review if you can, if you have the time. I know everyone's very busy, so if you can't do it, that's fine. We completely understand. And hopefully everyone's having a great time out in the, the woods right now. And the Big Mountain Challenge coming up this week. So if you're listening to this episode, when it is released on October 10th, this weekend, October 13th to the 16th, is the first annual Big Mountain Challenge. Yeah, I'm pretty freaking pumped. I know Ethan's pumped. I know the anthracite guys are pumped. Stay tuned for that. Always remember to keep hunting, keep fishing, keep fishing, and always enjoy the freaking process. There was a group of friends from Pennsylvania that loved nature. They wanted to become better woodsmen. I was laying on the couch with my wife, zooming in and out of all necks. Anglers. If you have a nice sized trout, they can they can give a fight, at least according to the book. And outdoorsmen. Basically the grocery store. Fresh groceries. Stories turn into legends, and legends turn into traditions. Very German. This is the Backcountry PA Podcast. Be afraid of failure. You're gonna fail a lot of times before you start like learning this stuff and getting good. You've gotta embrace that failure and just look at it as like a lesson or a learning experience. You know, I messed up so many times before I got good enough to even make a shot on a buck. I missed so many. And just each time you learn a little something new. I wish I was chasing these bucks sooner, you know, before I got in my thirties. Good luck to you guys this weekend. Welcome to the Backcountry PA podcast. You got Cody, Ethan, and Patrick. So you wanna introduce yourself to <laughs> You want to introduce yourself to the listeners, to us, um, how you got into hunting, um, where you're from, all that good stuff? Yeah, so uh, my name is Josh Stewart. I'm from the bottom corner of the state here in Pennsylvania, like south of Pittsburgh. We talked earlier from 2B, you know, WMU2B. Um, I've been hunting since I was 12, 13 years old, you know, just more casually hunting, taking a lot of doe and your occasional, like, locking into a buck. And I'd say maybe like probably around 2015 or 16, started getting more serious on public land hunting and chasing after Pope and Young Buck. In fact, the one you're seeing right behind you there was my first Pope and Young Buck, and it kind of kind of got me into it. It was the first buck that I killed because and I could tell you like why I killed it. Yeah, it set up you know the exact spot, and so that kind of propelled me into wanting to hunt public land more. Mm-hmm. And um, just meeting a few people that hunt the big woods and really took interest in that. Just seeing some of the bucks they had on trail camera. And um, it just gets frustrating a little bit hunting in Pittsburgh and the suburbs of Pittsburgh where there's a lot of uh, just regular civilians and stuff that don't really like hunting or 
they don't understand exactly what you're doing out there. They just have like a different perception of hunting. So mm-hmm. it can be stressful and you're getting a lot of your hunts blown up. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we have so that I kind of just too. wanted to get into yeah. that, you know, different setting, more of a wild setting and, and found some, you know, nice big chunks of land we have here in PA. We're really lucky for some of the public land that we have here. Oh, yeah. Central PA and Northern PA. And mm-hmm. I kind of got, you know, that kind of propelled me to get away from the city a little bit. So the the buck behind you, would you say that was the the one hunt that really, I guess, you got bitten by the the hunting bug then to chase after yeah, big yeah. buck? Yeah, definitely. That, that year I was, you know, getting more, definitely more interested, like found the hunting beast and like mm-hmm. John Eberhardt and all that, like we all have basically, you know, and then just using like Dan tactics and hunting up, like hunting on the leeward side of the doe bedding and stuff like that. And yeah. just really actually hunting, you know, mm-hmm. and I killed that buck on November 2nd. Really, like you said, it, it, it bit me with the hunting bug. I just yeah. wanted to get like that. Or I just remember walking up to him on the ground and you just, that feeling you get, there's nothing like that. Right. I actually didn't know how big he was when I shot him. I knew he was a good buck, but it happened so fast. Walk us through it. Walk us through that hunt. Yeah. So, um, I was, I was watching a lot. I was, I was almost setting up in like an observation setting towards the end of October. And I saw a lot of doe popping out of a bedding area and I, and closer to dusk I, I saw what i thought was a nice buck so um i noted what the wind was it was coming out of the west which was the buck was running on the downwind edge of that bedding so i kind of waited for that next wind like that and i set up in the evening and uh actually i heard a, heard something coming and i got up and got my bow ready and it was a squirrel we, we've all been there <laughs> so i had my damn bow squirrels down i think i was actually texting somebody on my phone and I, i'm still hearing the noise and i look up and I, I see that buck busting through the there's a bunch of monkey vines and stuff in there and it's really it's a spot that's right off the road you could see i could see cars driving by from the spot so just kind of an overlooked spot mm-hmm. where everyone walks deeper in and um the doe bed there on, and they cross the road over in the private in the night yeah and uh so yeah, I was that close to the road. I see him coming, so I had to pick my bow back up, and that's kind of why I didn't know how big he was. I just knew that he was mature. I seen he had a big body, mm-hmm. so I just made a, a quick shot on him. Called my friend to help me track him, and he's actually the one that found it. I heard him yelling and jumping up and down, <laughs> so I figured it was good. But he ended up being—I think he scores even in the one thirties. So yeah, that was my first Pope and Young buck. And was he in the Allegheny National Forest too? No, that was actually here in a little chunk of a public okay. down this corner of the state. All right, small so parcel buck. That was kind of when I was dabbling between here and hunting up north and mm-hmm. central PA and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was, I got him. I actually had a, a cabin booked up there for the next couple of days, so I just got to hang out and bear hunt a little bit. But um, the one in the middle there behind me, he's from Allegheny National Forest. Okay, and that's that's the one we're going to be he's talking about game. today. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Is there a lot of hunting in, the, I guess you said, the suburbs of Pittsburgh and everything? Is that a lot of pressure, hunting pressure Yeah, it's there, pressured. It, yeah, it, it's unbelievably pressured. Like the bucks are just, they're living in like people's back. The big bucks are like living in people's backyards or like cemeteries, just these little pockets. It Every woodlot has a tree stand in it or it's hunted or somebody pushes it out with bow drives or something. It's It's as pressured as you could imagine. There's so many people that live down here and so many hunters it's unbelievable and that's kind of you know where i learned to hunt for pressured deer you can that could translate to other places too because mm-hmm. you see 
deer doing similar things, you know, up in in the uh, game lands and stuff up north, you know, where like they're by the parking lots there too, like they are here in pressured areas. So yeah, kind of translates well, but yeah, yeah, it pretty much gets pounded down here with hunting pressure. Yeah, because this actually, it's funny you bring up the close to the road story because obviously this Saturday when this episode releases, it's going to be the second week, okay. second weekend of archer season. Yeah. Yeah. So the opening day, October 1st, I will be out at a new spot that I just literally scouted for like half an hour. Like I, I walked into the woods. It's it's been a spot that I've wanted to scout for the longest time. And I just I just never did. It because I thought it'd be it's it's one of those overlooked places. It's like I'm not gonna go there too close to the road, you know, everyone yeah. everyone and their brothers could possibly be hunting there. I walk in and there's like little little trees, you know, the ones that get rubbed and ripped up yep. all the time. Like I walk in not even ten yards off the road and there's two trees just ripped up like fresh rubs on them, broken in half, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh shit, this is getting real bucky right here. So then yeah. I, I uh, there's this heavily used trail going up. I'm like, that's not a person trail. So I, I followed up. It's this deer trail zigzags in and out. Like between them, you can see the tops of uh, shrubbery beat, being eaten off and all that kind of stuff. And I look up, there's like an opening where the sun's coming through. So I get up there, walk through that. The trail goes right through. There's actually crossings in the middle of it keep following it and there's a really fresh rub with the dirt underneath the one i posted on instagram that like the dirt's ripped up right by the drum like oh fuck like i'm stopping i'm not going any further because like my gut was like stop if you go any further you're gonna jump something that's so close to season yeah everything you're saying right there like it's really resonating like that's exact same that's the same stuff that my friend and i are doing and getting into right now Mm -hmm. just close to the road stuff like that yeah. And then I was like, man, if I can find a scrape, cause I, I stopped after that. I was like, I want to keep yeah. going. And I stopped and I was like, man, if I can find a scrape the other way, like he's, because I scouted the area that if I would have kept walking straight past the rub, there was beds up there. I found a bunch of beds yeah. up there. So, and it's in thick stuff. And I was like, if I turn around and I can find a scrape, it's game on. Like, and I turn back around, I'm like that tree right there will look like a really good tree to have a scrape under. And I yeah. get up there, I'm like, there's a scrape. This thing, <laughs> yeah. this is, yeah. this is crazy. almost always put scrapes on road crossings like that. Mm-hmm. Every time, and a lot of times what they're doing there, they'll bend up there and they'll cross. That's something I kind of wanted to talk about today a little bit, where we're seeing a lot of mm-hmm. other in areas like that and crossing into, like, if you have a field across the road or a clear cut or a meadow or something that's getting hunted, like the deer aren't going to stop using that. Like I'm finding that they're still using it, but they're going to walk a ways to it. Mm-hmm. Like they could be across the road or they're bedding somewhere. They're walking to that at night. Yeah. They're not like I think they would be, you know, they're in those little patches like that with the saplings. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, in fact, buck that we have on camera this year, he's bedding in an exact, like what you're describing there. We put a camera up on that scrape and he's coming to it like six 30 every night. That's nice. That's nice to get them routine down like that. Yeah. We're going to throw a hunt at him on Saturday. They're me and my, we're going to draw straws for him type of deal. <laughs> it's really nice. Just, he's not huge on, on the score end of the spectrum, but he's really old looking. He's mm-hmm. big, heavy mass. But, I mean, the thing is with that, like, when you put the work in and you have a story behind that buck, it doesn't matter how big it is, it's like, man, this 
that's a story to go along with that buck. It's not like, you know, you could go out and just sit there and just a buck randomly comes in front of you. Like, that's great. You got a buck, but I like, personally, I like to have a story along with it. Like, yeah, you know, you got to have some kind of story with it to go. Yeah. And then you get repeatability as well. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're, uh, when you could, when you could say why you killed a buck, you can repeat that again. If, as opposed to just sitting somewhere and you kill one, that's, you know, yeah. Some of it's luck and some of it I'm sure he put thought into it, but whenever you can find a spot like that, then you can start looking for that spot again in other places. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, find hearing all these stories from people that it's always like, Yeah, this this buck, I saw him, you know, three, four, five years ago when he was, you know, a yeah. six point and now he got to be I like got, you know, a ten point or something. It's like that that's I feel like that's like the peak story that everybody wants to have like those like this buck has been three plus years in the making yeah yeah it really makes it special when you finally catch up with them we actually have a 10 year old on camera up in the big woods holy crap or whenever i first started going up there in like 2015 i want to say it was and he was pretty decent then he was probably three i talked to another hunter that was hunting him in 2014 so we're at 2022 now and i just he disappeared last year i thought he was dead or of old age or somebody shot him and gun, but he reappeared this year at the original spot that I had him on camera. Man. You guess he's ten and a half unless you know. Yeah. He actually has he has a bum eye. His eye's out on the one side and oh. half his face looks like it had an infection on it. So he's really easy to identify. Man. He's got that... got a really big he's a really big eight point. I missed him in twenty twenty. Oh, you missed him? Like you took a shot at him and you missed him completely. Yeah, I took a shot at him at like fifty yards and I missed him low. <sighs> See, that's the thing with those big public land bucks. Like, even, like, you know, the Allegheny Nash Forest is 500,000 acres, I believe, like, in total. Plus, you got all the game lands and stuff we got up there. Yeah. And the free land. So, you have, like, 800,000 acres, basically. Yeah, it's it, – you can't – it's hard to, um, I guess, find – like, get the routine of a buck down. It's, it's unless, really hard. Yeah. Unless it's you're, really like, Steve hard. Shirk, you know, you have all this time you put in. Yeah, yeah, I know it's hard because I'm I'm down here in the southwest corner of the state and I work a lot and mm-hmm. I'm really busy all the time. So that's where like mapping comes into play. I guess we talk a little bit about that. You know, yeah, but, and in text and stuff. But yeah, so let, let's get into the mapping because I know Ethan, I know you you haven't you haven't really dabbled in e scouting. I've I've rec- I'd say this year, this past year, I really dove headfirst and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna full out e-scout then last year is when i got that buck like like we talked about with uh jared from on x mm-hmm. you know i thermals was a big thing for that one um hello and welcome back to backcountry pa news my name is mr america it's right about uh, two three weeks into the hunting season and things are happening this first one comes from rfd tv Com. So this one is about a Tennessee fisherman that reeled in what they're calling a Cumberland River monster. Micah Burkhart was fishing in Stewart County when they pulled this fish in. They had a 30-pound test line, and the fish was 118 pounds, 7 ounces. It was a blue catfish, measured 54 inches long he says it took him about 45 minutes to haul it in 
when you see this thing, if you go on, take a look, rfdtv.com, take a look at this fish, man. I, it's, uh, it's, he's a thick boy. I will tell you that much. Um, and very, uh, very, lots of different colors and shades on this catfish. Really beautiful fish. Go and check it out. Um, and congratulations to Mika for pulling that one in. It could potentially be the new Tennessee state record. Another thing that I'm going to share with you this week isn't really news, but I think that it's a valuable resource for some of the newer tree stand hunters out there. It's called Three Common Tree Stand Bow Shooting Mistakes. Uh, it's done by Cabela's Deer Nation. You can find it on Cabela's Hunting YouTube channel. It's about four years old, so it's been around for a while. Um, but it's Bill Winky, and he does a really good job at explaining, um, you know, how to how to lean when you're up in the tree stand. Um, some things about calculating distance um, based on your um, maybe your rangefinder that you have and how you might be um, shooting a little bit high based on that because your base distance from the tree to the deer is going to be less than your your vertical distance down to uh, the deer you know triangles and all of those things um, that's just one of the tips that he talks about um, it's only about three and a half minutes long uh, which is probably going to be a little bit uh, less than how long I've spent talking about it. But seriously, if you get the chance, go ahead, go over to uh, Cabela's Hunting, their YouTube page, and uh, check out three common tree stand bow hunting mistakes, Cabela's Deer Nation. And this last one is a big one. We're reading this one from OutdoorLife.com. Someone poached this big Pennsylvania buck near a federal prison. There are lots of other places that you can read a little bit about this story on, um, including Facebook, uh, the official um, Pennsylvania Game Commission uh, site. You know, there's dozens of different ways that you can read it. Um, but after this deer was discovered lying in a field in central Pennsylvania, law enforcement is asking for the public's help. This is recent as of the time of reading this article. It happened yesterday. So someone called in a tip uh, just earlier this week that they had heard a shot well after legal shooting light in Greg Township, the north central region. Um, and the dispatch reporter called in game warden cadet Brooke Harden Raider to investigate. Uh, she discovered a trophy-class buck uh, dead in a field along 44 uh, near the Allenwood Penitentiary. Her investigation concluded that the buck had been shot with a small-caliber firearm around 11 p.m. that evening. Uh, thankfully, they were able to salv salvage the meat um, and donated it. Um, it is not immediately clear why the buck was abandoned, um, and they do say that uh, the poacher fled the scene likely after law enforcement arrived rather than attempting to recover it and risk apprehension. Um, nobody was seen leaving or identified at the scene. Um, and so they're relying on public information provided that they haven't found uh, the, the poacher by then. Uh, if you do see anything, make sure that you say something 
Uh, there are many different ways to report. Um, one of them is uh, by phone at one eight three three PGC Wild W I L D. Um, the Operation Game Thief Hotline. Um, you can go to the uh, PennsylvaniaGameCommission.com. There's uh, many, many ways that you can reach out. If you see something, say something. And most importantly, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Backcountry PA News. Remember to have fun out there this hunting season. But most importantly, stay safe and keep your tradition. Josh, for you, what do you, what's, let's go through the process. Let's say you have a new area in the Allegheny National Forest you're looking at. What are some things that you're looking for on that map that really stand out to you or that you're going to be looking for when you e-scout? Yeah, so, like, one of the first things that I noticed, like, how I originally learned this, like, I went up there originally and it was extremely overwhelming. It's just like, it's like a desert of of woods. Like, it's like, there's, you know, just just so many different features and just like vastness so i put a camera there's a there's an area of private land um where there's a really highly managed um ranch that guys hunt on and uh so i I found some public not far from there thinking maybe the bucks would roam from the private onto the public Mm -hmm. so i put a camera on a scrape i climbed way up this big mountain put a camera on a scrape i let it soak for like two months up there went and checked it so it has probably like 10 really big bucks on it. But I noticed that they're only there for like four or five of the days. Okay. So like, like kind of perplexing. So I started digging into like the dates and then I went up to the historical weather data to see if I could like find any pattern to those days. And sure enough, like every day that they were there was a north wind. So that's actually a south facing slope mm-hmm. where I placed that camera. So they're on the, they're only bedding there when the winds leeward for them. Okay. So they're down into the valley they got that thick clear cut to their back there. So they're only betting there when it's in their benefit, when that wind is coming so they can smell the thick behind them and see, you know, you hear a lot of guys say that, but that, that camera just kind of proved it. Right. So I tried to keep emulating that. Like we typically get a West wind up there, or Northwest wind. So I just really try to focus in on the East facing slopes and the South facing slopes because it's leeward. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not necessary. They're not going to bed typically on the uh, west facing slopes because the wind is going to be coming from the valley like that benefits them none so right so that like i I try to do the same thing with the meadows and clear cuts like they like to enter meadows up there from the downwind side you hardly ever see them enter upwind okay so like keep that in mind when i'm east scouting just the minimal time that i have like the chances of there being an east wind up there or or a south wind or slim so i'm trying to look for spots of benefit that west and northwest one. Okay. So I'm a lot of stuff out of the way initially with that. So looking for things like different features that are like beaver dams, little like swampy areas, the leeward hillsides, logging cuts, things like that, and just focusing in on those areas and uh, just pinning where, you know, just kind of zooming out a little bit and imagine how a deer is going to use that area right. too. Where's he going to go at night? Where's he going to want to bed at? Yep. In the rut, where's he going to want to run? You know, trying to find like a vulnerable spot. Yeah. Find that they don't really like pinch points, like you hear people say, like the older bucks. Mm-hmm. But I'll try to find pinch points that they don't know are a pinch point, like a strip of trees in between two clear cuts where it's still thick. Like they don't re- really necessarily know they're pinching down right there. Mm-hmm. 
kind of get the advantage on them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, oh, yeah, little, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like... They'll feel safe, but it's like it's a little bit of a disadvantage for them to walk through there. Right. It's like the th- you want, like, thick stuff. Like, say you find, like, when you might not see it on the map, but when when it's thick in one area and then, like, it's not thick, kind of, it's, it's like that's a, a funnel right there because you're not exactly. going to want through that, yep. that uh, the thick... But yeah. Yep. Yeah, the meta prime example for that in the beaver dam swamps, mm-hmm. they do not walk through the middle of this. So if you could find a strip of trees that go through there, or like a strip of hemlocks on one end or the other, that's where right. they're going to want to go And if yeah. you could find that downwind side, they're going to want to scent check that meadow before they enter it. So mm-hmm. you can yeah. eliminate the ground just by doing that. Oh, yeah. We're doing stuff like that from home. You know, we're going there and just like walking right to a buck bed on the pin that we pinned from work or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Literally, like from from hundreds of miles away, we place a pin. There's a scrape there. There's yeah. a bed there. It's really amazing. Yeah, I, I've had that a few times. Yeah. Yeah, Onyx is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Whatever mapping system you use. Mm-hmm. And I realize as much time as I can. It's all it's a whole efficiency thing when you don't have a lot of time. Oh yeah. Like when I'm on work, you'll see guys playing like Wordle or something on their phone. Like I'm on I'm playing Onyx. Like I'm on my mapping. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Like, I'd rather be doing, looking at all next than playing like Wordle or Candy Crush or, you know, like anything else. Like, if I'm if I have a break that you know, I don't have time to get out after work or something like that, or if I know I have a trip coming up, like I'm gonna e scout yeah. every single time I have a moment of free time when I'm taking a shit on the toilet. I'm e scouting. Yeah, same. Any moment you have, you know, yep. instead of opening up and, and scrolling through Instagram or whatever, it's open up onyx and you might see something that um that you didn't see before you know and that's kind of how we can segue into that the buck that i shot last year Mm -hmm. i I killed him really exactly that way like uh craven that was on the show with Mm -hmm. you guys a couple he pointed out that we killed it from the couch like i always see Uh a buck couch like we literally killed that buck from the couch we we were sitting at camp basically getting our asses kicked for a week after that worm front last year Mm -hmm. yeah well like it was really good. Like I was getting on the buck and I seen where I had to adjust and, you know, and then just the next day we got hit with that warm front and it shut it down. Yeah. It was, it was warm last year. It was very yeah. warm last year. So let, let's, let's, before we get into your buck, uh, let's talk okay. about some more, you know, points you look at on maps that you like. So if you see access roads, easy access roads, what do you stay away from them? Do you go towards them? I mean, I know we just talked about, you know, close to roads, but what about access roads? Put it that way, like parking lot areas, that yeah, kind of I stuff. Sometimes that, you know, and you hear like Dan and Paul talk about it and stuff, but those bucks love to watch popular parking spots. Like your spot that you're talking mm-hmm. about, or they, it's literally like clockwork. Like they will absolutely bed and watch that parking lot. Yeah. I'm going to send yeah. you a screenshot after this and let you, I'm going to show you where this thing is. Cause I mean, it's, it's exactly like Dan and Paul says, like it's, it's, I don't want to give too much away, but it's yeah. it's 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 damn near right there. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we're seeing the same thing. Yeah, the guys like to put ladder stands a lot too in that mm-hmm. part of PA, in my part of PA, and the deer learn. It doesn't take them long. Like they're they're in there a couple of weeks before season, cutting shooting lanes mm-hmm. and stuff like. Those deer catch on quick, and and we kind of learned that this year. My my friend Mike and I were scouting, and, and one of the best pins that we we e-scouted like we were just talking about we went to it we were super excited it was looking really good 
when we get right to the spot and there's a ladder stand like right where we were right somebody else had the same idea basically don't you hate that so they I, were gonna leave and i was I brought back up on x and i looked and i saw a little bench down below that in a little meadow yeah and i told him let's walk down there and see what that looks like and just every deer adjusted down there that's where all the beds were yep. monitoring from from him entering his ladder stand or scouting mm-hmm. so the deer just adjusted a couple hundred yards really on him so when he enters they're going to smell him they're going to get out of there essentially you know so you don't really have to let that deter you you can use it to your advantage mm-hmm. yeah and just, oh for sure so i think that's a spot where we can kill a buck this year we put a camera on a scrape down there it looks great there's a really big bed just tore up with rubs so there you go that, that's 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 game on right there when you find that when you find bed rubs and scrapes it's like Yep. Man, that's that's the making of a of a dream come true. Yeah, and, and just like, you know, I haven't found a buck bed there really anywhere yet where you look at it and you, you think, like, what was this buck thinking? Like, you can lay in his bed and just know exactly what he was thinking. Like, and that oh, one yeah. is monitoring access with wind, mm-hmm. and you can view out into that meadow, and you can see anything approaching from the meadow, which was another access point on that side. Yep. It was kind of bulletproof there, really, you know, unless yeah. you're coming from the which i started to learn that i like to do you try to get them vulnerable you come in from the sides on them you mm-hmm. can even if it's hard you know it's almost what you have to do yeah i mean that's that's up at, Mar- up at ethan and i's cabin um it's hard access up mm-hmm. there for sure um my cabin is particularly hard um ethan's a little easier because he's on top of the mountain compared to yeah. mine i'm in the valley so i have to walk up 2100 feet 2200 feet to bottom. get to the top yeah um, and like north pa and central yep. pa they're hunting in, in that yeah. region yeah yeah and i mean my cameras haven't been re- producing well the one has been producing up there um like i thought it would i mean honestly like it had like four scrapes like i thought there'd be something underneath there but i found i put three other cameras out so we'll see what they produce um in two three weeks we go up two and a half two and a half weeks yeah for the big mountain challenge yeah 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 so we'll see what what's going on up there i mean but i want to know what's on my camera now that i actually moved (laughs) it to the trail i was so pissed (laughs) we went up so we went up in april this year to do scouting for the big mountain challenge Mm -hmm. and i'm walking on the side you know the side of the mountain and i found this trail and it's like a bunch of shrub oaks in this one section, and it's just the trail's going through, and there's scrape or not scrapes. There's rubs from last year. They're, I mean, they're browsing through this. Everything is nibbled off. So I was like, all right, they use this fairly regularly. I'm going to set up a camera. Well, come August, when we went to check the cameras, uh, that trail doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> it's covered in fern, and there's no sign. And what five yards below it? Yeah, if you would have turned the camera, the it, way. if I would have turned the camera, like you know, not even ninety <laughs> degrees, I probably would have had a million pictures. <laughs> the scrape is there, yeah. Yeah, every, every sign is there, and then the Y's yeah. off. I was like, oh, this sucks. So yeah. I, I moved the camera, but that brings up a good point. You know, that's kind of what I do too. We talked about the minimal time. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys I talk to, they're out always looking for fresh sign, yeah. which is really good. But when I'm in an area and I don't see fresh fresh sign, I'm trying to imagine how a deer would use that area and what time of the year. Like I'm looking at the, if there's apple trees, if there's mm-hmm. cherries, if there's maples. Like food source is really big up north because the deer just moved to wherever the food source is. Oh, yeah. So 
I'm trying to like use my imagination of when a deer is going to use the area, even though there isn't fresh sign there, you know, we're looking for historical rubs, licking branches that may not be pawed up underneath yet, but they're clearly, they're, they're they gotta be a scrape, you know, right. as the season goes on. So I think it's important to do that as well. Oh yeah. Just imagine, you know, what time of the year the deer are going to be using the area and you can always come back like, well, this will be a good rut spot. This would mm-hmm. be a good early season spot, et cetera. This might be a good late season spot. Yeah. Yeah, because I think we determined that's that Pacific Trail and everything was going to be a like more of a late season. Because I did yeah. get, um, pic- I did get buck. pictures. Yeah, a lot of a lot of young bucks, some doe, mm-hmm. and that was bear. Still, uh, yeah, I got a bear. I mean, mm. a cub. I'm talking fresh out the den. Yeah, you know, cub with a, a shooter bear, shooter and a shooter bear. <laughs> um, so I think that's more of a late season spot. Mm-hmm. Because no vegetation was really growing yet when I got those pictures, and then once the vegetation started growing, it, the pictures stopped. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, now, Josh, do you like you said apple trees, all that kind of stuff? Do you find more pressure when apple trees up there when you find them in yeah, the Allegheny Ash Forest? Yeah, the roadside ones you see. Yeah, the, the little like isolated ones are what I find are really good. In okay. fact, like one of the best spots I'm, I'm not sure i'm just starting to learn trees really well and that area really made me want to i ordered a little pennsylvania trees book that i've been carrying and using it's really been beneficial what book but is I that because i'm i might look into that uh yeah i can send you a picture or a screenshot of it after it's just i think it's called pennsylvania trees but it has okay. like illustration of every tree and the fruit on it and I've been using that you know to identify just for food source it's been super cool. beneficial yeah and I, you know the hoth i think it's hawthorn trees they have a little fruit on them Mm-hmm. That lasts till later in the season, like during the rut, and the doe just come and hammer it because it's it's isolated and it's on a creek crossing. Okay, and that's where we got like really big bucks coming to like monitor those does. They scrape right under that hawthorn tree. Yeah, so it's just beneficial to be able to know what that stuff is and if deer eat it. And I've learned about gumberries through that, and like just mm-hmm. there's so no ag anywhere. You know, there's no acorns even in a lot of the areas that I hunt. Yeah. So there's they're just browsers and. I feel like learning those trees has been really beneficial. Yeah, that's one thing I'm slacking on as well as the tree identification. Because everyone even talks about like white oak and red oak. Yeah. To me, acorns. Like that's just it. Like <laughs> it's just flat out everything's just an acorn. Like uh-huh. I don't know that and apparently one's a little better than the other one. And yeah. just white I... oaks they like more. Yep. And one of them produces every other year, which I think are white oaks and red oaks are, are annually. Mm-hmm. There's a good map crop. Uh, I'm definitely not an expert, but I'm learning, you know, and that's going to help you. There's there's a layer on, probably shouldn't even be saying this on here, but there's a layer on Onyx now that uh, it shows you where oak trees are at, white yep. oak or red oak. Turning that on was a huge game changer, Oh, too. yeah. And the I mean, the weird, the the awesome thing about that, all right, is like you actually turn that on and you go to that spot and there's there's freaking, that's it's true. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's actually real. Like we, yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely insane that they're that accurate. Yeah. on it and it's it blows my mind actually blows yeah. my mind yeah i don't necessarily love hunting in like areas where there's a lot of oaks either because like who's to say where the deer what oak tree that's like we don't live in the woods you know like mm-hmm. the deer know what's producing and dropping at the time yeah it's so hard to know like i like finding little isolated patches of them that's where they really you know and if you could find bedding somewhere bedding close to there mm-hmm. get in between bedding and that just you're in the money oh for sure yeah yeah so all right so we covered the what, – what else do you do for minimal scouting? You have minimal time to scout. What else – what are – what's something else? So food, look for natural pinch points that aren't necessarily on the maps. 
Um, you don't cut out close to access points or roads. So what's, are those the four main things you look for? Or what else, what's another thing you look for? Yeah. I think just like I said before, like try to learn the wind in your area and, yeah. and like how you're going to be using the areas and just pin a bunch of spots like that. Like before I leave home, I have a bunch of spots pinned okay. that we're going to get in that day. And I just, you know, just try to pre-plan parking. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I try to pack food with me, pack the jet boil and cook instead of running back into town. You just want to be like super efficient. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of good spots we found too. It's interesting to probably bring up like yeah. a lot of decent spots we found this year. We're like going to destinations that we had pinned and just looking alongside of the road and seeing a big rub or a scrape or something or a big road crossing trail and jumping in those woods. Like, you know, don't be afraid to be opportunistic and just jump into spots you didn't even plan on going. Oh, yeah. Yep. And in fact, like that buck, uh, it, the buck in the other room there, he, that's how I killed him. I seen either him or a buck just like him crossing the road one night while I was leaving the hunt, heading back to camp. Yeah. And I pinned the spot on the road and I went back to camp and just tried to like reverse engineer what that buck was doing. Why was he crossing the road right at night? Yeah. And I saw his ridge that, you know, I saw a really nice ridge there with a meadow at the bottom and I went and scouted and I found his bed. So I got in, just got in on him and hunted him and killed him. So and it wasn't him crossing the road. Like that buck taught me that that was a good area for bucks. So did so you like, try and copper. scout where he came from or where he was going? Where he came from. Okay. It, it figured, you know, an hour after dark or whatever, half an hour after dark when I'm heading back to camp, he's obviously coming from his bed. Mm-hmm. So where his bedding was at, and okay. there's just a big ridge. I actually got him in the rut, you know? Yeah. He was, back to that bed in the uh, early morning cool that's a good wow yeah i mean that's definitely i mean if there's some areas here where it's like you see the sign crossing the roads and it's like man how is there's not more deer hit on this road because i know they cross a bunch like they, they have know to ways yeah all these the deer i see here in 2b they know to look both ways before they cross <laughs> the road <laughs> they're smarter than people yeah the ones up yeah. near clinton county they don't know that because yeah i yeah one man out in front of me after i just bought my new truck <laughs> and i was like oh my god <laughs> she was lucky i had good brakes yeah i saw a big 10 point do that in pittsburgh when i was hunting a little woodlot down there one time as soon as his hooves touched the road he locked him up he stopped yeah and he looked, uh, waited for cars to go by and then he crossed deer can so be that- so smart but yet so <laughs> freaking dumb too i know adapt really well to their environment (laughs) yeah Yeah. they could honestly if they were smart enough they could just lay right beside the road and we couldn't shoot them if they were really that smart because we had to be what 150 yards away from the road Uh, yeah maybe something 50 yards i I can't i can't recall to check my game book on that i guess yeah i think it's 50 i know on certain trails um the one game commission officer had to be 150 yards away from a walking trail that sounds yeah. yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. So I th- I feel like that, but for rifle, it's probably further than that. You yeah. got to be further away. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it's 150 for rifle, mm-hmm. 50 for yeah, archery. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Fact checker, you want to fact that, check that for us? <laughs> well, he's, he's on it. He's on it. He's on that. <laughs> Ethan, any more e-scouting questions? Um, How... Where do you find? Cause I was trying to. I was thinking about this earlier today, and I was like, "How how do I want to word this? Where do you find? I guess a happy medium because everyone we always talked about or talked about talked to um, 
they like to do in-season scouting or like close to the season scouting, you know, e-scouting and everything. But they always talk about they don't want to blow out a spot. Where where do you find that like that? I don't know. I guess that happy medium of like, all right, drop a pin here on on X, and I'm gonna go scout it. Like, are you always worried about blowing out a spot before you even get a chance to hunt it? Or yeah, that's always a worry, especially with these older bucks. I mean, as soon as you set foot in there, you know, if they're in there, they're in there for a reason. It's probably because people don't go there. Or, you know, things like that. So it's always definitely a worry, but I'd rather have that intel than not, I guess. Um, I kind of like he's, he was saying earlier about like you get to a point and you're like, I better back out. Like a big buck uses this. You, you may want to put a camera on his like not so close to his bed, like try to catch him on one of those scrapes, like a few mm-hmm. hundred yards from his bed and see what time he's coming and then try to move in on him from there. But yeah, I definitely don't like blowing up spots, checking cameras all the time. I'll try to check camera only like once or so. Cause they catch on like the, the camera with the five big bucks on it this year. After we checked it, they didn't come back for like three weeks. They're smart. So that, they're, yeah, they know. Like just our scent, we we didn't really even do anything in there, just other than getting ground scent. Mm-hmm. So they knew. Um, so yeah, I don't really always want that affirmation that the deer is there. He's you know, I think some of it you want to have a little bit of confidence and faith where, where you know, if you know he's bedding there, you just need to throw a hunt at him. Yeah. Maybe from there. I'd probably rather do that than educate him. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick? Some guys check the camera so often. It just, it's cringy to me. Like, yeah. You're hitting that deer. For all it knows, you're hunting it. You know, you slipped in there and you climbed up a tree. You know, some of those older six, seven, eight year olds are going to know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Patrick, you have the answer to the the road question? Yeah. So, so I'm going to put a small asterisk on this. Uh, I think it's something that needs to be dug into a little bit deeper, but the, the 150 yard rule is for occupied residences, buildings, um, like actual structures, safety zones, um, the yeah safety zones. So technically, um, what I'm reading here is that a, uh, lane of public travel the distance the minimum required distance is 25 yards oh shit that's not too far yeah two <laughs> steps off the side of the road no that's about yeah, where i saw the first rubs <laughs> but but i mean i i would say one if i was that worried about getting in trouble for that i would just do 150 yeah. yards mm-hmm. not to mention two i think it's less about when it comes to like lanes of travel right it's less about how close you are and more about where you're directing your fire towards right and how far that deer might run right yeah yeah so yeah but like i said that could be that could be there could be some small stipulations to that um based on the sources oh yeah have right off the bat yeah Hey, thanks. Yeah, thanks, fact checker. Thank you. And tra- you know, if you're on a dirt forestry road, yeah, maybe 25 yards is perfectly fine where yeah. it's not traveled. But around here, you probably want to be a little further. Yeah. yeah. You're not shooting towards the road <laughs> as well, like you said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ethan, ask that question that you were asking me on the way to the Bow Hunters Festival um, about where you want to where you want to go opening day. You want to set your tree stand up the day before, all that kind of stuff. Maybe Josh has another, a better answer. Yeah. Or he'll back up what I what I said. Okay. So going up to the cabin opening day, there's, there's a Valley between two, two fingers. Every year I always find 
scrapes early, very early in the season. Come, you know, peak rut, late season, there's no scrapes there. So I don't know. You guys, these are just pre, what you called them, pre-rut kind of scrapes and a couple rubs throughout the valley. And I know deer travel through this valley year-round. I want to put up, I have a hang on, I want to put it up in that valley off of that up through the middle. But on the one side, there's a basically a road because they a logging road, logging, I guess a logging yeah. road because they put up they put a fence around, they clear cut all this area out. Yep. And I mean, the fence has been there for five, 2006, I think it's 2006. Said. So yeah, it's, it's been there for a while, right? Yeah. So I was, I was like, either I didn't want to leave my scent there too much because we're going up Friday and I want to preset my stand. Friday and then go out Saturday morning. Do I walk up that road and then cut in, or can I just walk right up the valley? Because when you walk up that road, you kind of are skylined, and things in the valley they can see you fairly well. Yeah, That's, they I probably guess. know to watch that road for sure. You know, is there a creek that runs through there? I love walking creeks up those little areas. It conceals your sound then you can help it helps helps with thermals and things like that but yeah. the creek would be good um something else i could add like what i'm seeing a lot of so you're talking it's hill country there's like mountains on each side and it's a valley down at the bottom yeah is there like some so they use that a lot at night you know so they'll bed they'll bed up on the leeward ridges and they're dropping down with the thermals down into those valleys at night like i see it like clockwork on my cameras like they're they're up high like so that'd be a great evening spot if you catch them like dropping down if you find one of those scrapes on it on a um, trail that they're dropping down off of those ridges onto that could be like a great first day kill spot for the evening at least in what i'm seeing like they're dropping down they're 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 staying high and they're going high in the mornings because the thermals rise up so they're catching they're getting like bonus scent like they'll they'll be on the leeward side like we talked about earlier where the scent's coming across where they can't see but they're getting bonus scent from down below. Like you drop milkweed and you see this thermals rip up the hill. Mm-hmm. And in the evening when that thermal, when the sun starts going over the hills, the thermals are going to dip down into that valley. So that's why they like to go there at night to feed because they're getting all that bonus scent yeah. as well. So you're getting all the thermals from those hills just vacuuming down into that valley. And that's why they go there. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I was when, at first, when I first started hunting the big woods like that, like I would hunt up high in the evenings too. And I would just consistently get skunked. Yeah. And, uh, I started moving down into the the lower, you know, catching them coming off those points in the evening, and that's just with like clockwork what they're doing. Yeah, and that does make but sense because the one we my jumped... own personal opinion would that would be a great evening spot if you don't want to blow deer out of there going in in the morning and, and let them catch on. Um, if you had another morning spot, but you could slip into there in the morning still and have good luck. I mean, but I'm just seeing that that's the evening spots is as low valleys like that. Yeah, because I know, like, I know my dad's probably going to hunt around the cabin somewhere, and I picked this spot because I know where the fence is, mm-hmm. they have the deer actually have a spot where they crawl underneath <laughs> the fence. Yep. They got to that point where they can crawl underneath, so I know where that is. Yep. That's up literally at the, I guess you say the, the middle of the finger yeah. where they meet, and then the fence gets right there, and I want to go, like... I know, like halfway to three quarters of the way up, that's where I've always seen the scrapes, because there's a nice opening, and then it gets yeah. a little thicker, and then around that in that thicker spots where I always see scrapes and the rubs walking through. So if it's I can probably s- 
popping out of bedding. Yeah, they're popping mm-hmm. out of bedding and monitoring. Does are bedding up there, and they're monitoring the does. Yeah. That's uh, what what facing slope is that? Do you re- can you recall? Do you want to pull up your phone quick? Um, I'll pull up. I want to look at it now. You know what you should do, Ethan, and I, I I don't know why we didn't talk about this before. If you do hunt the evening right there, you could have your tree stand set up the night before. All right, and then the morning, go up to where I shot my buck with my rifle, go up there, and walk through there, find a good spot, sit there, and then on the evening on the way back down, you just go and hop in your stand. Yeah. Okay, so. We saw that even in Kentucky, you know, hunt high in the mornings and low yep. in the evening. I've hunt so many times trying to hunt high in the in the, in the the evenings. Yeah. They drop in hill country, they drop down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're they definitely the going to be in the up up top. So yeah. the valley itself goes northeast going uphill. Okay. So and I would and I would I was thinking that they get sitting then. the slope is southwest. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I was thinking of sitting on the the west side. Mm-hmm. Of yes, the... it would actually be great for. I think we're supposed to catch an east wind on Saturday, so that'd be like their, their leeward. That should be their leeward hillside for Saturday. Yeah, I know yeah. putting cameras on bedding, you just see it every time, like put different points, and it's just like clockwork. They just bet on those leeward. They'll bounce around those ridges and bet on the leeward sides. Yeah. So like at, the, at least where I'm gonna hunt at, we're supposed to catch an east wind on, which is more of a rare wind on uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. So that could be a great. You know, they should be bedding. You know textbook they should be bedding there yeah yeah because like okay and then my next question about that is i don't know if you talked to you about this cody or not but like going up so far up that valley the road obviously it goes the whole way and i know the deer use that road from time to time it's they don't use it as often yeah but i've i've seen them you know i've seen them walk there and they have part of the fences kind of like cut in half and i know deer jump over that sense Oh yeah, it's good do, feed in there. Do I want to when I set up the hang on? Do I still do I want to stay below that? I don't want to be level with that road. Yeah, no. Yeah, I would. I would try to stay a little bit below. Like, just be try to be mindful of where your thermals are going to drop to and where the wind's going and where you think deer are coming from. Just get on that downwind side. You got to watch thermals too. Like, you don't want your thermals rising. You don't want to be in there when your thermals are rising up into those hills. I got busted like that scouting the other day. Like I went to a spot and I was walking facing to the wind and I heard a buck snort and take off on the ridge where the wind was coming from. And even for a second, I thought, how on earth did he bust me? Like, it's so thick. I know he didn't see me. Then I thought about it and I'm like, well, my thermals, he busted me with thermals. And yeah. I dropped milkweed and the thermals were rising right up to where he was at. Man. This trick, the hill country is extremely tricky. It's tough. Yeah. You, like you got to really watch, you know, if you have, I would just say drop milkweed and learn, you know, really just watch that milkweed the whole time you're walking in just watch milkweed mm-hmm. just don't, I drop it. don't always necessarily have a set tree that you want to hunt you know just get in there and see what the milkweed's telling you mm-hmm. what the wind's doing and you know you may set up in just a scrubby tree off where you didn't want to but wind currents are also important yeah i think you hear about like shifting winds in pa a lot and i think we do get shifting winds but i think a lot of it are wind currents and thermals yeah they're just being misunderstood oh yeah yeah gonna go through there like water 
however, you know, just like fishing for me, like yep. it's like reading water, you know, it's going to pull up and, and eddy and all kind of stuff. Oh yeah. So it just, the entire time we're walking in the woods, we're just dropping milkweed. Yep. Yep. I have a whole thing full of it now. Like I found some of the cabin. I have a whole thing full. Now I just have to find one of those, um, one of those things to put the milkweed in. So I'm, yeah. I'm working on finding one of them right now, but right now, Actually, I have like mesh pockets on the side of my bino harness, so yeah. I might put some in there and just pull it out I once in a while. Thing, yeah, yep. They make like people use little change purses. Yep. If you want to get real fancy, Lone Wolf Custom Gear makes a really cool milkweed holder. Yeah. Yep. The hunting public, I think, does too, but they're always sold out because they sell yeah, so quickly. Sounds about right. Yeah. 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 So, all right. So we did the e scouting. Let's get mm-hmm. into this beautiful buck you got that you said. This is a spot I'm going to. And I'm going to shoot a buck out of this spot. Yep. Okay. So the one that <laughs> killed on the, basically the same couch we're sitting on right there. Yep. I was sitting on, yep. Killed this buck. So yeah, we were basically getting our asses handed to us. Uh, I missed the really big 12 point, which is unfortunate because it was a chip shot. You can't ask for anything nicer. Like a few days before that, like I heard him, heard him break a stick. He was coming across the road, you know, mm-hmm. clear cut. And uh, I seen him coming from a hundred yards away. Uh, he got behind saplings. I drew my bow back, like thinking in my mind, like, well, this is it. I'm tagging out. This yeah. is it. Like a huge buck, all palmated. And uh, he gets to, the, I, I follow the trail. I look at the trail he's on and I follow it at 20 yards to my, from my stand. So I draw back, I stop him. And this may be what threw me off a little bit. And he kind of stopped with not when I wanted him to, he stopped a little late and he got his front shoulder and head behind a tree. Mm-hmm. So I had, to, his vitals were still there, but I had to like be mindful of that tree as well. Right. And I shot right over top of his back and i watched her run for 300 yards away just still seeing his rack the whole time oh did he did he stop after 300 yards or did you lose him after no he just kept running forever my god never seen him again he's gone i never seen that buck on camera or anything he was just huge he was just a rut zombie basically how old do you think he was what was that how old do you think he was oh yeah old he was all palmated and stuff like that yeah thick mass man i'm pretty sure he was a 12 i thought i saw five up it's heartbreaking. He was Damn. probably getting up in that 160 range, you know. Yeah, that that's a that's a good buck for in PA here. It's a really yeah. good buck. And I have no excuse why I missed. I wasn't nervous. I just missed, you know, just the missed shot. Yeah. So that was Man. frustrating. And uh yeah, we're craving who you talk to. Yep. Um in fact that was he, he was hunting the other side of the clear cut there when he shot his buck, but it was uh same day so he tagged out so we were doing a lot of scouting together trying to get back on deer yeah we were sitting on the couch and i, I decided to look by where we were camping at and uh, i noticed a little feature there where there's two and this is why onyx is so nice there's two logging cuts back there and they meet like they're like perfect square postage stamps and they meet in the corner mm-hmm. and it just so happens it's on that leeward hillside like we're talking about just running that like magical topo line mm-hmm. where you'd expect the deer to bet at so I pinned it. I showed it to him, and he's like, wow, that does look really good. And so I pinned it, and I'm like, I'm shooting a buck there tomorrow. So he dropped <laughs> me at the gate. It's really far back in there. It's, like, it's gated. The road's gated. Yeah. Kind of open it wasn't, but so it's gated. So I walked back in probably three miles back to that spot. It's getting gray light by that point. Um, so I climb up a tree, and I look. As soon as I climb up, there's a giant scrape right there, and just huge intersections of trails. And then I knew I was killing a buck. It was all tore up fresh. Yeah. So about a half an hour later, he came from the hemlocks down below. 
rising up kind of like we're talking about a minute ago he was rising up from the hemlock valley and uh he he hooked around the downwind side of that scrape and i just i popped him about 15 yards watched him get down (laughs) but just those features you could go into a spot like that like you know like we're saying earlier you can go Mm -hmm. into a spot like that with never being there and know it's good because it has all those features like if a buck's wanting to check on doe bed and then there's thick clear cuts he's going to go through there to monitor them Mm -hmm. it's on the side of the cuts and it's right on the leeward hillside where he's going to catch thermals rising up so now do you think if if that road wasn't gated do you think well there's probably going to be a lot more pressure back there and you might not have felt as confident about it um so i think in the rut. i'm sorry i didn't mean that no you're fine um so with that gate there probably deterred a lot of people you know so getting back in there three miles in it's like you know, that's always what everyone preaches, go deep in, go deep. Yep. Um, and in that sense, it did work out for you. Like you, you got on and you were lucky enough. There was a scrape actually there. So, I mean, yeah, everything was aligning for that setup for that buck. Yep. And that was all like pattern recognition and stuff we saw before. Just noting things that you see, you know, when you're out scouting and things like mm-hmm. that, just building it up over time, just all same pattern deer or a pretty advanced animal, but they all, they, they end up in the end, they all do the same thing. Yeah. So that spot, I just knew that a buck was gonna, he's gonna want to run that ridge. Like if it, if that was just a ridge there without clear cuts, I would have went there. Like that's how nice it looked. Yeah. It just have the bonus of those logging cuts meeting right there. Yeah. That's a spot you could go through every year and shoot a buck. Oh yeah. I was, so I are you going? You're going back up this year, right? Yeah. With Craven. Yep. Are yeah, you, we're gonna hunt there probably another year or so. Then yeah. Maybe move on. Are you gonna hunt that specific spot right there again? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, back out early, somebody else will be there, and that may be a spot where you can get multiple bucks because it's so vast back there. Oh yeah, I'm sure bucks come from all over, and that's that's gonna that's there's so many doe bedding, and they're actually scouted a little better this year. I went there this summer and I scouted and seen why the deer were using it. And it's just super thick. There's doe bedding everywhere. Yeah, there's buck bedding right on the other side of those clear cuts, so they're they're gonna run that. So but, what um, what day did you say you shot him on? What was the... I think it was like November the tenth. November tenth. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what? You guys go out for a whole week to a certain area. Mm-hmm. When have you seen the most action? Like what day have you seen the most action or days in general? November second is magical up there. Like it, just the same days every year. The cameras blow up. Mm-hmm. November second, November sixth, seventh, and eighth, and then the twelfth, thirteenth. Okay. And like. 18th is starting to peter off you get some big bucks on camera then yeah those magical days like if i could only be in the sand three days like that six seven eight yeah that's when we found the big buck that one of the big ones that i'm hunting this year it was on the eighth it's a sunday of course in pa you can't hunt yeah so we're driving around and uh craven actually spotted him he couldn't even get it out of his mouth he was stuttering but 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 <laughs> he slammed the brakes on and we look up the hill and there's just a giant nine point looking at us and he took off so like we were saying before, I pinned that spot and actually went back and I found his bed. Yeah. So I got a pattern this year, like he's doing three different things. So hopefully, you know, he's going to hemlocks and meadow and a logging yeah. cuts. Hopefully we can get on him. But so so what's your process for patterning a specific buck? So this nine. I'm kind point... of just starting to learn that now. I'm transitioning transitioning into that phase myself now where i'm trying to figure out how to pattern a specific and hunt a specific buck instead of just getting into these like high uh, probability spots Mm -hmm. we've been having pretty decent luck just finding the scrapes 
I guess, you know, I don't see as much where I'm at here in southwestern PA. Right. But in, like, the woods, they scrape everything they can. Yeah. So I'm trying to find, like, where their bedding's at, and I'm trying to find the scrapes on the outers of their bedding, and they hit those scrapes before they go off the feed. Mm-hmm. So I'm just skimming those scrapes and just figuring out. And then uh, another good point is, like, you know, look at that camera data. Like, if he's there on August 11th and 17th, bring that up on Weather Underground and see what the wind was on those days. Right. You know, try to pattern. So maybe he only comes out that side when the wind's out of the west. Maybe he only comes out the other side when it's out of the east. And then that way, you know, what wind to hunt him on. Mm-hmm. And that's where you got to fine tune and find, you know, what tree you want to get in. It's beneficial crosswind and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Mark, they're only going to do like a, everything that a buck does. He is like with purpose. Mm-hmm. Especially those older ones, they don't make mistakes. They don't, you see him snap a stick or something and they look like, you know, <laughs> They messed up. Yeah, they I mean, with your with your whole like the, the scrapes up north, they they use scrapes a bunch, and it's they because do, yeah. the density is deer density is lower, yeah. but the property is huge up there. Yeah, it's I mean, so low. Yeah, if you're used to seeing deer, like that's not a good place to yeah, hunt. Like you no, done. you know, it's more about like getting you know one of these mythical bucks, if you want to call them that, or just like mm-hmm. enjoying the scenery and the whole like aspect of the hunt. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, not, you'll get dunked a lot. Yeah, because up at my cabin, there's uh, last year I saw it. It around that's the last two days of archery. Mm-hmm. It is the the rut is popping r- the mountain behind my cabin. Rut mountain. Yeah, rut <laughs> mountain. Yeah, actually, that's a good name for it. Good, good job, Ethan. Good job. That's what um, I'm here for. <laughs> but I was walking around the last day, you know, found some good sign. Then I came into the valley right by um the creek right there behind my cabin but it's it's the creek that runs behind my cabin but it goes up the valley quite a ways and i was walking there i found this bed i found rubs and then all of a sudden there was like scrapes every like 10 yards the whole way down i'm like holy shit yeah anywhere there's a licking branch yeah it's like joking with you ever see the family guy like a piece of candy like they're like that with licking branches. Like everything they see that they can lick, they'll stop at and lick it and put a scrape under it. Absolutely. Logging like roads or like mm-hmm. gas lines and stuff like that. Like it's unbelievable sometimes. Yeah, I didn't realize that until I started hunting up there. You'll see like like if you find one scrape around here, you did something. Like, yeah. I think they need to scrape as much or so many dough. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it came yeah. to the point where like when I saw after the first like three, I was like Looking ahead, and I was like, that tree up there, guaranteed, has a scrape underneath it. And I got up there, and there was a scrape underneath it. And I keep, just keep yeah. doing that tree after tree after tree. I'm like, there has to be one up here. And yeah. it was just, it was like, it was like clockwork, honestly. Like, it was just yeah. popping up every single tree that looked exactly the same. And then, you know, that that's what got me, I mean, other people think about it too. But, like, once you find one tree that has a good scrape underneath it, then you try and find other trees that are exactly the same because those yep. are the only trees they're going to use. Like different areas yeah. are so different everywhere. Like down here, um, it's I forget what they use down here because I'm not good with trees. But then up there, it's a different kind. Peach. And yeah, peach, it's hemlock, little low lying yep. hemlock. Yep, peach. Because the leaves stay on the beach. Shirt talks about that a lot. Yeah, as well. But the leaves stay on them and it holds their scent better. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we were checking like a newer logging cut the other day. My friend Mike and I, and, uh, we saw it at the same time. Like it's all like it's, it's just been logged, but they left like one small pine tree in the very middle of the cut. We looked at each other at the same time. It was like, there's got to be a scrape under that. Yep. And we went. And they tore it up. Like a buck could see that from a mile away. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, it's 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 crazy when you find the one tree. Yeah. It's like that's the only tree I'm gonna look for now because that's the only one that's kind of scrapes underneath it. Yeah. Probably go way out of their way when they saw that tree. You know, it's, you yep. start thinking like, you have to think more like a deer. You know, when I'm walking through the woods, I'm thinking like a deer, not a hunter. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking yep. how are they gonna want to use it. I'm looking for things that they would look for, like those licking branches and stuff. Yeah, and then some are like, some are dead on the trail, and then mm-hmm. some are like. 10, 15 yards, 20 yards off the trail. So it's like you, yep. it, every area is so different, especially down here in Lancaster, Lebanon area. Yeah. And you go up north to yeah. Clinton Potter, you go to Erie, you go to Allegheny National Forest. It's like, man, it's so different everywhere you go. You you, you have to learn a new area every single time and yep. a new, new want to say new deer but it's not really a new deer it's a new yeah, type just they're using the land they're using the land differently that's all you yep. know they do the same things it's all it's all transferable knowledge you know mm-hmm. you can try to figure out like why they did what they did and then repeat that somewhere else yeah um, but I, I think the note like you're talking about those trails getting all scraped up like i've noticed that the bigger bucks they don't run up and down those trails like in your mind when you see that you imagine that deer running straight down that gas line or, or power line or trim road or whatever but they parallel them. They'll come to check those scrapes from from the sides. So if you you find a trail where they're coming from the side, and they'll even wind check them a lot of times mm-hmm. as well. My dad had an encounter like that a couple of years ago where he just couldn't pull his bow back. It was on a cold morning. It was unfortunate. It was a really big ten point. But that's what that buck was doing. He was coming from the side. Whereas like the younger ones, they they'll run right down the the line. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to note that they want to parallel those. They don't want to run. They don't feel safe. I, I know, I've hunted a, um, a spot where two gas lines crossed a few years back, and a buck was locked on the two doe, an older buck, one that I was hunting on camera, and he would not set foot on that gas line. The doe went out on there, and he stayed back. He just knew yep. not to go to that gas line because rifle, people probably line it, and he's probably been shot at. Oh, yeah. Or watched some other deer get shot at on it. So he actually would not go onto it. Yeah, they're very so they'll, smart. They'll then check them from downwind, those scrapes like that, or they'll go there at night. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Ethan, do you have any questions about anything else? I don't know. I think yeah, you answered the big one. That was that was the big, you know, being the opener on Saturday. Yep. Yeah. Trying to set up the way I wanted to set up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I have yeah, a, I I have a just, game uh, plan. Just go into it with an open mind, you know, mm-hmm. don't really necessarily have a set tree that you want to hunt. Just walk into there with an open mind and try to drop some milkweed and just observe, like, if there's any new trails that opened up or any new rubs or anything like that and just set up on the fresh sign. Yeah. I think that's the best way to approach it anytime we're hunting in public like that. Oh, yeah. There's some times where you'll, you'll have a tree in mind and you'll set up somewhere else just because that's, that's how Craven, who was on a few weeks ago, that's how he killed his buck. Yep. He just set up on fresh sign that he saw, you know, he was going to go deeper into there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, nice young bucks, so. that's that's the best thing I think. So, would you rather, if you had the option, would you only e scout an area, or would you rather have boots on the ground while you hunt? You can't scout outside the season; you have to scout in season. That's tough. <laughs> I honestly <laughs> think that I do better e scouting. Be okay. honest with you. All right. Because when I'm when I'm boots on the ground, I don't know, it just can be overwhelming. If you mm-hmm. like hot drop me into an area that I've never seen before, I guess I would get on deer sign, but I would much rather e scout that area than just go to the pins. Oh yeah. Like with the buck that I got last year, like with some of these pins that were setting this year and just walking right to buck beds. So I'd yeah. rather do that. I think e scouting is more beneficial in a way. You can also cover a lot more ground e scouting than you can walking. Like 
I'll yeah. walk in and cover three miles compared to East Scout. I can cover hundred miles in an evening. Yeah. So if I only East Scouted and I didn't boots on the ground scout this year and I had 12 hunts and I went to the 12 spots that I pinned, I probably would end up killing a buck because like those spots were super bucky. Yeah. There, we had like one or two that were a bust, you know, mm-hmm. like I like to say there's 12, 10 of them were hits. Like we got big buck on camera at them. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you dropped a pin at a spot, you know, during e-scouting, you go to that spot, you get up in a tree, and then you don't like it, and you're like, come you know, come daylight, you're like, I don't like this spot. Mm-hmm. Like, how soon do you get out of that tree and Instantly. go somewhere else? Instantly. Instantly. Yeah, I saddle hunt, so it's nice and easy to to uh, move. Or if you're seeing, I had a shot at a nice ten point like that um, last year. Ended up not being able to make the shot on him. Cause it was thick, but I moved, I saw where all the buck were running in the morning and I just moved my stand to there. And then a big 10 point came and ran that same trail in the rut. I think, you know, more so early in the season, I guess I'd probably be a little more cautious about it moving, but, uh, cause the deer are moving on more of a natural pattern, but in the rut, move your tree instantly. If you don't like it, yeah. move. Yeah. Especially you know, in the rut. You see a bigger scrape somewhere. You have a better, I would rather move and take a chance of spooking at a deer than seeing one at a hundred yards away or five and a hundred yards away hitting that scrape, you know, mm-hmm. cause I've seen that a lot, like where there'd just be a bunch of them come every hour or something and you're not oh, in yeah. the right spot. So I'd move instantly. For sure. Yeah. Especially during the rut. Happen, yeah. If it's early season, <clears throat> like, if you, it, like if it's the first day, I, personally, I think I would stay a little longer um, in that spot just to see what's going on. Um, but during the rut, yeah, if you see stuff like Josh is saying, like, move right away. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. hesitate. Just move. Don't hesitate. Climb down and move. Yeah, yep. you're better off. You're better off doing that. Oh, or, you know, and early in the season, it's worth noting, like, you can you can treat it as more of, like, an observation set. Yep. Oh, okay, now I see where the deer are coming out at, and you move in on them the next hunt. Mm-hmm. Yep. During the rut so crazy it's you got to move you just got to be like constantly changing and adapting yeah yeah it's the the rut is crazy like it's i i don't think i'll ever be a quote-unquote rut hunter just because i mean i i might i might if i actually put more time in and do that especially up north i think i would be better at rut hunting than i would down here i mean Mm -hmm. the area i've hunted my whole since i was 12 is a i see buck a lot there but just so hard to pattern them when in yeah. that area yeah the split ear buck that i shot um he's so identifiable he had a split ear and just this really big eight point mm-hmm. um had him on camera five miles away from where i killed him at two weeks before that holy shit 15th he was working over this beaver dam all year i had him on camera a lot of times and then in the rut he came i was hunting the big the 10 year old eight point actually i missed him yeah i missed the 10 point and then an hour later, the split ear buck came through and I shot him. Man. But he came from five miles away through like a lot of stuff, like across like yep. stri- big streams and stuff like that. Just in the rut, you know, if you're hunting that specific buck, look, he's five miles away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they move a shit ton. And that's why I, I don't think I could be a rut hunter because they just, if you're on a particular buck and then you go to that area you think he's going to be at, then he could be, like you said, five miles away by the time you're trying to hunt yep. him like it's it's so up in the air so you got to have like not you can't be set on like one particular buck i feel yeah. like during the rut i just hunt probability during yeah. the rut like i just high probability spots yep like the buck last year like 
where the two clear cuts meet on the perfect ridge. Like, who knows where that buck came from that I shot? You know, he could have been. I didn't camera that area, but he could have been not even from there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. If uh, if there's new hunter uh, that's that's getting ready to go out there, and you're you just stepped out fresh out of your time machine, and you think, man, this is something that I wish I would have known when I had started hunting. What's that one thing you're going to tell them about? Don't be afraid of failure. You're going to fail a lot of times before you start like learning this stuff and getting good. Like you almost have to embrace it. Like I see people hunt careful a lot, but they don't want to leave their comfort zone or their their stand that they hunted forever. Um, you almost got to embrace that failure and just look at it as like a lesson or a learning experience. And, you know, I messed up so many times before I got good enough to even make a shot on a buck. I missed so many. And just each time you learn a little something new. And I think that, you know, is what I would say. If I could go back and tell myself, like, don't get so frustrated over it or don't be afraid to, like, get out of the comfort zone sooner. I wish I was chasing these bucks sooner, you know, before I got in my 30s. Yeah. If I did when I was in my 20s, you know, who knows? Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to get skunked. Like, try to learn something each time that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was that was probably would be my advice, too. To be yeah. honest, Jesus, I have advice you have to take. I have the advice I have to take because <laughs> I'm 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 that guy. I'm the same way. It's like mm-hmm. I, I I have my comfort zone. I'm a, as my wife says, I'm a creature of habit. Uh, <laughs> I do <laughs> the same. I do the same stuff or go to the same spots a lot. So, and I'm yeah, now getting out of my comfort zone and oh. going new things. So, grow and learn that way. You know, then you could even take that back to the spots that you used to hunt and hunt them differently. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, you don't have to stray away from the spots you're used to. Just be, you know, willing to fail. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we all want to, oh, I saw 30 deer tonight or, you know, whatever. Yep. But rather, you know, anymore, I don't care if I get skunked. I'm going to get skunked a lot of times before I, you know. Absolutely. Fuck, you're going to get skunked. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. About that a lot when you listen to him. How many times he actually gets skunked before he sees a shooter? Yeah. I think. 13 hunts in a row or something. He said he got skunked and then he shot up booners. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that's one thing we all have to, we all have to be willing to fail and, and learn from those mistakes because that's the only way we're going to grow and become better outdoorsmen and actually succeed, quote unquote, succeed. I mean, yeah. I mean, everyone's success is different, you know, like my success is different from Ethan's or Ethan's different from Patrick's. Like we all have yeah. a different game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be, what's your success for this year? What would you consider a success at the end of the year? Success for me this year, I want to kill a buck early season. Like these ones were pattern coming out of their beds and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like I'm one of those that we actually put a lot of hard work and, and e-scouting and regular scouting into yeah. and, and know why, you know, I went in there on the east wind. I got in this exact tree and I shot the buck in early season. That mm-hmm. would be a bit. I've yet to kill one in opening weeks. So yeah, two weeks. So well, that hey. would be success. That's a goal for this year. Yeah, man. Or at least learn a little more about that. You know. Yeah. Learn a bit better how to kill a buck like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got some dough down. You got meat in the freezer already. So I yep. mean, now it's now the pressure's off your shoulder, which we all hope to do. We all hope to, you know, get pressure off our shoulder by getting the dough first. Then. Yep. You don't have that pressure of, you know, okay, now I have to shoot this yeah. little buck that's coming by because I don't have anything else in yeah. the freezer. Yeah. But feeling it is good in a way, you know, because you want to be hunting hard and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But 
time, you don't want to be like settling on something that you're not happy with, I guess you right. could say. Yeah. Any bucks, buck, and you're going to get meat and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we, yeah, there's a certain feeling when you don't have a deer under your belt yet. Yeah. I'd, I'd felt that quite a bit last year. Um, I'm sure everyone feels it throughout the year. I mean, it just happens. I mean, I wish everyone the best of luck out there opening weekend and the whole season, really. I mean, I hope, I hope I see all my friends get one down and, you know, I hope I see you get a nice buck down. I hope I see Craven get a nice buck down. I hope I see, yeah. you know, everyone getting one down. Like you, you want to, everyone to su- succeed, but like, you know, it all depends what kind of work you put in. Josh, thank you for coming on here, man. It, it's, it's Crap. been work. Yeah. Where can people follow along with you on your journey this year? On Instagram, I post under, you know, I post a lot of fishing stuff as well, but uh, my accounts trouts do. But I post this time of the year, I post a lot of hunting stuff. Thanks for having me on. It was a nice talk. I hope, I hope you guys will be in touch and talking here on uh, messages, but good luck to you guys this weekend. Yeah, Thanks. good luck to you too, man. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Trout.